Welcome to In Conversation with Kathleen. I'm Kathleen Kettles. I'm a psychotherapist and I love people and their stories. In each episode, I'll be speaking with a guest about what the word success means to them. And at the end of each interview, I'll be discussing the episode with co-creator and editor, Remy. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the show. I'm really glad you've tuned in. Today I'm speaking to Sean Hughes, who is a filmmaker, writer, director and university lecturer in filmmaking and screenwriting. And I'm delighted to have him here. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So tell me where you are today. What does your life look like and what are you doing? Okay, today, so where geographically where I am, I'm in Troon um, on the west coast of Scotland and uh, I'm a filmmaker, as you said, so I'm writing a lot. Um, I'm writing some feature film projects, trying to get those off the ground, various stages of um, sort of funded and unfunded projects. Um, and the other sort of half of my life or the other part of my working life, I guess, is a lecturer. Uh, so I teach at the University of the West of Scotland um, in AIR uh, on the filmmaking and screenwriting course on the undergraduate degree there across all the years and I yeah I'm as I say on the west coast of Scotland I'm a homeowner somehow and I'm just <laughs> recently married so that's where I am right now. Oh that's wonderful that's wonderful. So thinking about what the word success means to you how would you describe that it can be to do with your career health financial relationship anything at all? I think it's it's maybe different across all of those categories. And I mean, partly I feel like I'll kind of let you know when I find it, when I find <laughs> some. Um, but also, I guess the older I get, I turned I turned 47 months ago. Um, I had a bit of an existential crisis about it as well. And um, yeah, so the older I get, I guess health is is a bigger sort of concern. And I'm starting to think about my own health and my weight has yo-yoed all my life, so I'm kind of trying to get get myself sorted out in that regard, which is a constant struggle. Um, uh, so yeah, I guess health is a big part of success now for me. Success in terms of home life, as I say, I'm a fairly recent homeowner, uh, recently got married, so I've, I've got a happy home life, I guess that's success. Um, I mean, that definitely is success, but um <laughs> Yeah, and in terms of the sort the film side of things and the sort of writing, directing, uh, career side of things, I guess success is sort of elusive and is sort feels to me sort of unattainable in a way, a bit like something you're uh, constantly chasing and um, just trying to pin down. So you, it's always it always feels like you're on to the next thing, on to the next thing. So it's sort of hard to remind yourself to celebrate the, the victories as you go, the small victories. I'm trying to do that a bit more, trying to enjoy the writing process for the process. The fact that I'm writing is, I guess, a form of success in a way. I, I wouldn't have put that word on it, but that, since that's the topic we're discussing, you know, I'm, I guess I'm trying to be happy that I'm writing um, because you're always thinking, well, will it get funded? Will it get made? Will I get to the next draft? Will I get cast on board? Uh, or is it going to be another script that goes in a drawer and on to the next one? So mm -hmm. so uh, your, yeah. your idea of success there then is it's changing. It's evolved really, hasn't it? So we initially maybe you were thinking about the end goal, the, the final production, 
making it to the screen, you're actually now recognising there's real value and success in the process of writing and producing what you're what you're wanting to write, basically. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, when I was way back when I was twenty something, twenty five, working in a cinema, I remember sweeping a cinema screen uh, with colleagues there, and someone was talking about their five year plan and yeah. where are you going to be in five years, and. I hadn't really thought about it, but I said with some degree of confidence, I feel like in five years' time I'll be uh, in pre-production for my second feature film. I'll already have made a film. And, uh, you know, I had these sort of... what I, I didn't think they were unrealistic at the time, but, you know, it's just a slow-moving wheel, the film industry, and it's it's a difficult sort of journey. So, yeah, in a way, I've, I've learned to... I've learned about the nuance of that industry... And also to celebrate the small stuff because, it, well, cel- celebrate the process because that might be all you get. I've made I've made a, a publicly funded short film called Bunny that you were involved in mm. as well, and uh, that did did quite well. Uh, won won a few awards and things, um, and obviously that feels good and that's sort of encouraging to keep going and keep pushing on to the next thing. And once. I guess I made I made short films for years, unfunded or self-funded, and um, what I would say if, if for any anyone in in the film industry or looking to get into the film industry is you're kind of invisible to it until you make a publicly funded thing. So I guess that was a stepping stone towards success was getting commissioned to make that film, and I guess the way it works certainly here in Scotland is they give you some money to make a short film. And depending on the outcome of that, they want to see you manage that money and and uh, see what you do with it. And then they can assess whether or not they'll give you more money to move on to something bigger and hopefully better. Uh-huh, it's um, a big process. It's a long process by the sounds of it. Yeah. So yeah. when you look back on where you've been and where you are now, how did you get to this point? So what was that journey like? Because I want to hear about obstacles you had to overcome and how you did that. Sure. Um, yeah. So I guess how did I get here? Well, I guess I come. I come from a town called Dunfermline in Fife. Um, I come from a real sort of working class background. So I guess some challenges I had to face were sort of economical. I'm, I'm the first member of my family to go to university, and I'm still the only member of my family to have gone to university. A lot of them are more sort of home birds. Uh, they've got families and kids and and their own version of success. And, and I'm sure they're very happy. Um, and so I was, I kind of had ideas further afield. And I guess a big obstacle for me was I always knew I wanted to do film. But at the time, uh, since, as I said, I'm 40 now, I'm, I'm <laughs> getting older. Um, at the time, the only real option for that was to go down to London, to London Film School or the National Film School, and they just wouldn't have taken someone with my level of experience when I was coming out of high school, which was zero experience. Um, they would have said, go get some life experience and come back. And I can see why now. Um, so I went to art school instead, which was my sort of second passion. And um, I applied to a couple of art schools. I got into Aberdeen, Grace School of Art, and I did a an undergraduate degree in painting and drawing there. And and I really enjoyed that. That was kind of what I thought I was going to do for a long time. Um, but as you know, things change um, and evolve. And 
In the third year of art school, we had a digital video elective, which sort of reintroduced my passion for film, which never really went away. Mm -hmm. But it gave me an opportunity to start making film in a way that I didn't think was available to me. Um, and then for my fourth year, I kind of sort of did 50-50 painting and filmmaking uh, for my degree. And then I did a master's as well in Dundee at Duncan of Jordanston, where I, I also went the fine art route because I, I didn't want to drop painting. Mm -hmm. um, so I could do painting and film on that course. Um, and I enjoyed that. Then I was out in the real world having to work for a living and trying. The painting kind of fell away and the filmmaking kind of stepped up. But I had many years when I was working day jobs and not really making much progress with with film. And as I say, it's partly to do with being invisible to the industry until you get on that public funding ladder. Yeah, again, I guess it's sort of socio uh, socioeconomic issues of working class background, trying to break in, not not coming from money, not having any money, having to work to live. And uh, yeah, so any films I was making, I was working a full time job and trying to make those at the same time. Gosh. So I guess that was that was a bit of a struggle. But I mean, as as struggles go, there's there's worse things going on in the world. <laughs> yeah. No, but that is really interesting. And so when you had that kind of passion for the film and you knew you had to keep working other jobs to sort of fund that what was the internal dialogue like for you like that like, sort of negative dialogue that we often get when we're thinking is this ever going to work am I ever going to be able to do this yeah it's uh kind of overwhelming I think the internal dialogue it's uh it has a way of kind of just drowning everything else out and um lots of sort of imposter syndrome or what I would now know as imposter syndrome but then I didn't have a, a name for it just feeling like you don't belong like you're not able to do what you want to do and I mean I still have that now I think a lot of people I know um, the industry is quite difficult there's a lot of rejection you have to kind of just um, become quite thick-skinned to it um, but obviously that's still kind of that that mounts up, and I think there's a lot of imposter syndrome in the industry as a result of that. That's because of the nature of the industry. It's so competitive, isn't it? As well, it's a difficult market to break into. So, what did you do then to quieten that self doubt, to quieten that kind of negative voice in your head? Um, well, I guess to a certain extent, I made the work. So that's that's the thing. I guess I I had to prove to myself that I could make the work. So I was making self funded work with with friends and and like minded people. So that got me out of my head because I felt like I, I was going a long spell without making anything. And when I do that, I I start to feel a little bit like I'm not a filmmaker anymore. I still have that nowadays as well. I still have the fear that I'm going to become a teacher who used to make films instead of a filmmaker who teaches. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, isn't it? Because that is your passion. So that's your focus, I guess, that you're still eyes to the front. Are you still working on Bunny? As a feature, what's happening there? Uh, yes, I am. So that was um, <clears throat> that was an interesting sort of journey. We had some funding to write a feature-length treatment based on the short film, and um, that went through a few stages with Creative Scotland back when Scottish Film Talent Network were running the the talent development. Um, we got to a certain stage with them, and um, then they changed. Uh, to short circuit and we sort of fell through the gaps a little bit um, I don't think they liked the direction the the treatment was taken anyway so it got kind of dropped for a while um, I've recently picked it up again though as um, 
as one of many projects and I'm kind of starting to to get some drive behind that again and sort of light some fire fire under myself to do something about it and I guess it's about not waiting for permission a lot of the time I felt like I was waiting for permission or in some cases funding to to be allowed to write and it's like well you don't need that permission that like people will come on board as you go forward uh, you just have to keep rolling the rock up the hill that's right and that takes a real I mean, I imagine that takes a real core strength and self-belief, actually. So when you talk about, you know, the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome, it feels like, although that's maybe still there a little bit, you've actually come over a a huge hurdle there to say, look, I've taken it back out and I'm going to work with this again because I know it could be a great success and I just need to do it because it's where my passion lies. So all credit to you for that because that's that's not easy. Yeah, well, thank you. I think, yeah, I mean, I get, I guess so. I, again, I'm not, I'm not good at celebrating the small stuff, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not. It's nice to hear that, but I, I wasn't thinking of it in those terms either. I was still thinking of like push, lifting that boulder and pushing it up the hill. I think one of the things that got me to pick it, pick it back up again, though, is um, I, I have another feature in development as well, and uh, was a bit more successful in getting more funding to write uh, drafts of that. So. Um, we're on, I've got a really good team I'm working with, a producer called Keith Potter and another producer called Wendy Griffin, um, who are really behind the project. And I think having those, and they've got a wealth of experience between them as well, but having those sort of like-minded people who are into the project, who believe in the project, just kind of helps helps me as well. It helps quieten those, those voices of self-doubt because yeah. other people are on board. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very validating, isn't it, to have people who you respect in the industry wanting to work alongside you and with you. Absolutely. So um, regardless of what happens with that project, um, we've taken it so far together and it seems to be going well and we're kind of pushing that forward. But for me, I felt like I can't have all my eggs in that one basket. And that's what I did before years years ago when they first funded the treatment for Bunny. Um, as I said, that then then kind of went away. I had all my eggs in that basket. I had no other projects. And I thought, shit, I can't let myself get caught out like that again. So that's why I'm picking up Bunny. And I've got a couple Great. of other feature ideas that I'm kind of trying to spin those plates. Would you be so bold to admit there is success in this story of yours? Yeah, yeah, I guess there is. Uh, reluctantly, I will admit <laughs> that there is. Um, I think it has to be pointed out to me, though. But yes, I mean, and yes, I'm trying to get better at, at kind of acknowledging that. And I think it's healthy to acknowledge that because absolutely. otherwise, if you're not acknowledging success at each stage, you're by default assuming failure. No, no, I think it's great. And and to hear where you're where you're going with the film work as well. It's fantastic. So if you witnessed a friend or loved one going through your journey, thinking about where you are now and what you've come through, what would you think of them and what would you say to them? What would I think of them? I would think, um, yeah, I would think they've they've come further than they realise. <laughs> and and if they if you were meeting them at a point where you were feeling that imposter syndrome and you and they were feeling that imposter syndrome and that whole kind of oh am I, am I really going to make this am I really going to do this what encouragement what words of guidance would you give them I guess I would tell them to to keep at it keep pushing um, find like minded people and uh, make the thing. 
the best thing you can do is get out there and make the thing. That's what will quieten the voices in your head. I mean, the other thing, um, the other thing, which actually you taught me many years ago now, the big thing was to talk about it and to get it out. And that if if you keep it inside, there's things are going to boil over. So I guess that's something I do in life quite often now, whether it's to my now wife um, or to friends, uh, is having an outlet for that and not keeping it all inside. I have a group of friends, um, we <laughs> call it gripe pints. Essentially, it's a, <laughs> it's a bit of a stitch and bitch where we get together have a drink and complain about everything that's happening with us. And usually it's film centric as well. We don't, we don't often, I mean, no, we know each other quite well, but, um, but Caroline, my wife will often say, so what's happening with the guys? What's happening here? And I'll talk about all the film stuff and she'll say, no, but what's happening with them in their life? I'm like, I don't know. We just talked about film for five hours. It's like you're 30 years too young to be a grumpy old man in a pub. <laughs> exactly and I, I don't actually drink either so that's another thing I'm I'm sat drinking lime and soda or Pepsi Max and they're uh those guys are having a, a bit of a drink but it's good it's good to get it out and those guys um are a lifeline for me yeah. um so I yeah I guess I'm lucky to have uh friends like that in my life uh, those guys and a couple of other people I guess uh, so yeah back to the point is talk about it let it out and make the thing that's great. And with your own students, I guess that um, you do have to give them support and guidance if they're feeling, you know, a bit overwhelmed by the workload even or wondering if this is the path for them, you know. Um, and what a great experienced lecturer you must be. All this life experience that you've had, you know, working hard, doing other jobs, but still writing and creating in that way. And they'll they'll be really appreciative, I think, of your backstory. Well, I think I think that's that's why I yeah, enjoy the lecturing. I think there's a good crossover there. The more I progress in my career as a filmmaker, the more I can offer the students. So the, it's actually, and I think the university understand that as well with the balance of a sort of dual career. Is they the university want me to be doing my own stuff for that reason because they want me to be more useful to the students. Okay. And I think there is a certain amount of sort of pastoral care um, that, that goes into teaching as well, where um, you you really have to think about the well-being of the students, not just what they're learning, what they're taking on and what they're not. And um, I'd like to think I'm sensitive to that based on my own sort of upbringing, my own background, what I've come through, where I, my experience. So I've, I've had students uh, kind of, I've had students who have been upset about one thing or another. We try to resolve the issue. I've had students hug me crying. I've, I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of part of it. And hopefully I'm hoping that all, I mean, all of my colleagues are great. I'm hoping that they, they, I'm sure they have the same sort of attention to detail and the same care about the student's well-being. Of course. Yeah, no, that's really good. Well, it's really been lovely talking to you but I want to also make sure that people listening can find you and watch your films can you give us uh, some links that Remy can put on the show notes uh, oh should I say yeah. them yeah <laughs> yes go on say it. <laughs> yeah, definitely so my website I guess is the the main one for the film stuff so it's www.seanhughesfilm.com right um that's my website i guess my instagram's sean underscore hughes my twitter is uh at sean underscore hughes 82 no one really needs to know what i'm saying on twitter or <laughs> posting on instagram really but the website i guess is the main one 
So that's where you can find the short films to watch. Uh, yes. Um, you can't find Bunny on there because uh, Bunny got picked up for a distribution deal uh, through a company called, a great little company called Altered Innocence. They're a boutique company um, and they specialise in uh, coming of age films and L- LGBT plus filmmakers. Right. And um, we're in some really good company there. And we're on a, a, a Blu-ray, Blu-ray collection that you could seek out called Altered Innocence Volume 1 right. um, with some other great filmmakers and as I say, really good company. Uh, so as as a result of that, though, we're not able to post Bunny online uh, for free um, because it's, has, it's the deal we've made with them, basically. Yeah. It can't be online. No, but you can see some of my older work. You can see a trailer for Bunny. You can see my showreel and things. Uh-huh. Um, Brilliant. Oh, that's great, Sean. I'm so excited for your future as well. What you're doing is, is fab. And the cinematography on Bunny and the story is just so beautiful beautiful story so i challenging too but beautiful (laughs) um i i just think you have got such a talent and all power to you onwards and upwards all the way oh thanks catherine that's great to hear and yeah the cinematography on bunny since you called that out specifically that's my regular cinematographer andrew o'connor worked with him on a few things Mm -hmm. i think he's a he's a real talent and um is uh his work's incredible. So hopefully we'll be working with him for years. Great. Oh, well, thanks so much. And I hope people go and search you out and watch your, your films because they are really special. Thanks so much, Sean. Oh, thank you. Thanks very much. Well, that was lovely to talk to Sean. I haven't seen Sean in a long time and I met him through his now wife, Caroline. Caroline was my PA for, I don't know. I think it must've been about eight years six to eight years I'll need to check with her but yeah I met Sean when they first started going out in Edinburgh I thought oh he's a nice boy and he's just great <laughs> he's a lovely lad um yeah he's he's worked really hard and that was really fascinating wasn't it hearing that yeah I think one of the big takeaways for me was about celebrating the small victories and also celebrating the process which I think I can be sort of guilty of not doing um you know when you've got a goal that you want to work towards actually trying to enjoy the process is really important um just as important really as the end goal maybe more because actually you spend more time working towards something than you do achieving it sometimes so yeah I thought that was a really good takeaway do you think that because you're creative you're a musician and I think of you as a very creative person do you think it's harder for a creative like Sean to stay grounded in the process and not always be looking at the end? Like, especially in the film, or same with music, is this record or, or piece of music going to get produced and heard publicly? Is this film going to get the monetary support that it needs to be put out into the world? Do you think that's harder than people in other jobs? Like, people want to do well at their work and get promotion, but is it harder for creatives, do you think? I don't know. I think it's a different experience for different kinds of creative people. So if you're making your main income from your creative output, then I think, yeah, you might be more goal focused and you might almost forget the process that you that kind of got you interested in that activity in the first place, because I think it's quite a common experience that someone like a musician, a guitarist or something takes up the guitar as a hobby and then they get really good and then they get a job doing it. They maybe teach, they do sort of um, covers bands and things and they end up sort of losing the joy from it. And so there's a 
there's definitely a balance to be struck. Um, and I think Sean's attitude of, yeah, grounding himself in the process and remembering about the process being important. And so hopefully allowing him to enjoy the process as much as he did maybe when he was doing it for fun. Um, Cause I think that's something that we're sort of prone to slip into is I'm good at this. I enjoy this. So I'm going to make a career out of it, but then you do become a bit more success focused. And what does success mean? Often making money so that you can just do the thing that you like. Yeah. And I think also just hearing him talk about the balance, he's now got this balance right between his time as a lecturer and time creating his own work what a gift he is to his students because he knows exactly what it feels like to be in their shoes. Um, although I know he did the fine art side of things, he went on to to do the the film stuff um, and his master's as well. He carried that on. But it's like he's got the fresh eyes, the knowing eyes as he's teaching these people, lecturing them, and he will know the struggles. And, you know, having someone like him who's so supportive and warm and, you know, hearing that he's, he does this kind of pastoral care for these students as well um, as, part, as part of his work. I think it's like, I think it's just great that he's got the double side of his life going on. Hopefully that'll um, support him financially so that he can keep moving with, forward with the film work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it is really valuable for students to have someone who's working in the industry that's really got an eye on the current state of the industry as well. And like he said, it's so competitive, like it is in in music. If you want to make money in music, it can be really competitive. And I think the pastoral stuff that he's doing is so valuable for students because it is it does take its toll on your mental health. I think when you're pushing your something that's so personal, like your creative outlet. when you're pushing that out into the world it can be really exposing and make you feel quite vulnerable I think so having someone who's experiencing that and has experienced that kind of you know giving you a listening ear must be great as a student yeah it was really it was really good and I hope that he when he listens back to this recording I hope he sees that where he started off saying Oh, I'll let you know when I find success. I'll let you know when I find it. To then hearing his whole story and and how he has achieved what he's achieved, that he is then able to reflect and go, actually, I am and have been and still am successful. I feel like sometimes the the word success feels like a sort of finite point that you reach. Yeah. But actually, it's a process because the world we live in is kind of structured around time passing and things like that. And if you just reach a successful point, time doesn't stop there um things move on so I think yeah what he said was really interesting and kind of gave me a bit of food for thought about enjoying the process because as he said that might be all you get and although that might sound a little bit sort of pessimistic I didn't find it that way actually I thought yeah okay be a bit mindful in the process and um enjoy it you know I think that's about courses in the creative arts that you have to be okay with making yourself quite vulnerable. You know, compared to other other courses like English literature or, you know, psychology or whatever, this is you. It's part of your internal experience being expressed on the outside. And I think that's also something that we didn't touch on hugely in the in the chat, but there is an element of him working away in a cinema, cleaning, sweeping up a cinema, knowing what his dream was. And, and that kind of whole relationship with living in the real world, but also having this great creative imagination and knowing what you want to put out there and wondering how the heck am I going to do that? How is this going to happen? So he's 
in a in a position now where he's lecturing people who've presented for this course, they're saying, I'm I'm up for doing this. I'm up for learning how to do this. And I want to be part of this whole industry, which in itself is a massive deal, I think. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a brave thing to do to be wanting to put your creativity out there, definitely. That was yeah. good. I love that. Yeah, thank you. That was lovely. Thanks for listening to In Conversation with Kathleen. I really hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy making these episodes. In the hope that someone else benefits from listening to the show, please like, subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you again next time. Thanks for listening.